0: Welcome back to another episode of the Fab Lab Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Crowley. Ladies and gentlemen, fellow fabricators, stone shop owners, what a great episode this is. Got to interview my friend Chris Hildebrandt from the All Slab Fabers. He's the founder. President of that great organization that's just growing and doing all kinds of cool stuff. He's also a stone shop owner. He's had a shop in Aiken, South Carolina for years. What a great story. Uh, fellow fabricators, this is a great conversation that uh, is going to, um, It just we, we explore all kinds of things. His background, how he made the transition from starting out you know, in a manual shop, in a manual setting, made the transition to a digital setting, and then made the transition to where The business basically runs itself and now he's running this trade association he's a rep for a couple of equipment manufacturers here in the stone industry and so he spends most of his time now helping fabricators and helping the industry (laughs) progress and evolve and improve it it is such a great conversation ladies and gentlemen i'm so glad you tuned in enjoy my interview and conversation with chris hildebrandt welcome to the fab lab podcast chris so great to have you on It's
1: great to be here it's uh Uh, great opportunity to to speak with you. I know you you got a lot of followers out there, so let's see if we can get some excitement going.
0: Yeah, well, I think you've got a pretty big group that uh, is following you as well, and so this is uh, a conversation a long time in the coming. We've been talking about it. I think I say that in every interview. (laughs) (laughs) These these seem to take forever to actually happen, but when they do, they're great, and so thank you for uh, making time. You are a Busy, busy guy, and so I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to to sit down and chat. So, t- what what what's the latest? What's going on right now?
1: Uh, just tremendous growth. I feel like I've been on a world tour here the last few months. You know, a couple of trips. We spent a couple of weeks in Vegas, and then uh, getting everything prepared for the next ASF workshop in in Sacramento. And on top of that, still running a granite company.
0: <laughs> that's a few things wow so t- just real quick list off all the the responsibilities that you currently have you mentioned the shop you mentioned the ASF um what else are you doing
1: oh wow i uh last year i I made a decision and got coaxed into uh, becoming an independent rep for Sasso wow and then this past few months I became an independent rep for BBM machines, better built machines. And we are in the middle of launching a new router. Wow. So that's kind of exciting. Um, just too many hats and not enough heads to fill them here,
0: here <laughs> lately. <laughs> wow. So let me just let me just back up. So you this all started with your stone shop. So maybe just I'd love to kind of hear a brief story of how you know how you got into the industry, how you started your shop, and and how that led to these other
1: Endeavors that you've undertaken. Uh, believe it or not, I've been in this business for 28 years this year. Wow! Um, I, I started fabricating in 1994 with a with a little small hand shop. And uh, back in the day, I used you know like everybody jumped around and jumped around. and Got a lot of experience between small shops and big shops. Uh, we like launched affordable quality marble and granite in 2006. So we're working on 16 years of being in business here in Aiken, South Carolina. Currently, we're the only company in the area. Huh. So that's that's a plus. Um, and then I've had some involvement with some other organizations. And in 2019, I had bought a my first brand new CNC machine and we had a bunch of issues. And at that point, I decided to... It was time for the big companies to realize the small fabricator needed more help than what they were willing to give and uh, a lot of things led into starting the group within a couple of weeks we had five or six hundred members and it just took off it was it's it's been amazing growth we' we're, we're, we're not far from hitting ten thousand members now and we're only two and a half years into it
0: wow so to so talk a little bit about you mentioned ASF but you know, maybe give a little bit bigger background on that. What what does that stand for?
1: Um, all slab fabrics. You know, we uh, we've seen a need. There's a lot of organizations that focus on certain products. But we kind of wanted to bring. At, at the time we were launching this, porcelain slabs were starting to get real popular. Um, of course, quartz slabs have, have taken taken a lot of the market over the last few years, and uh, we we just wanted to put everything in, in one bundle and, and bring people together, bring tile the tile trades in and bring even cabinet guys in to, to, to show. So they had an understanding of, of, of the challenges that, that us as fabricators face um, going forward in, in the industry. It's just, it's worked out well. We've, we've gained a lot of popularity and um, it's, it's just don't know where else it's going to go, but it's going to grow. And we're going to keep going forward. And of course we started doing the workshops the same year. Um, we usually have a good turnout, 125, 150 people at these workshops and, uh, people get a lot of business insight and it really helps for, especially for the smaller fabricator that's, that's trying to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a big focus on taking a, taking a manual shop and teach them how to go digital and how to be profitable. And, um, where it goes from there, we don't know. We're we're kind of cruising along as we go and accepting any challenges that are thrown at us. But, but <laughs> it's been uh, it's been great. We've got some good guys helping run the organization: Shane Morgan Miller, uh, Bo Christensen, Narelle. Uh, of course, I can't remember her last name at the moment, um, but she's up in near your area.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I think we sold her a uh, cart okay. at
0: one point, maybe two. That
1: yeah, The name sounds familiar. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure you're, you're getting out there just like we are. So, you know, you, you've got a product that us as an organization, we like to push a product because it's really a, a, a true help to, to the installers and, and saving their back. Um, it's probably one of the best innovations in the last 10 years in the, in the granite industry. Wow. Well, thank you. I, I, uh, um,
0: it's very, it's, it's meaningful to hear that from, you know, uh, a, a professional stone businessman uh, who, in a lot of ways, I feel like started from the same place, you know, started out working by hand at the very, very, very bottom and, and have, have worked up and then made the transition. I'm, I'm curious in your business. So you, you mentioned you're leading this brand new trade association, the All Slab Fabers, which is putting on events. It's got a huge growing, you know, uh, uh, membership base. You also mentioned that you're repping two different, two different products. So the two separate companies.
1: Yes. Two separate companies, um, SASO USA, which focuses on CNC saws and line polishing machines and more recently BBM machine, better built machines that are building a, a hell of a router, hell of a CNC router. It's, it's just a beast of a machine. Um, I actually just got back from seeing my, I got the first machine coming and, huh. and it, it was real exciting to see it being put together and see it being worked on. Um, so that's, you're going to see some, some good growth out of that company. I do believe um, Brian Johnson, he's, he's been refurbishing machines for about 16, 17 years now. And he's, he's really looked at uh, at the problems that he's had to endure, to to change the machine to be a, a lot better machine. So, pretty excited about that. Wow. So, being at the, the the
0: foundation or the starting point of a new a new company launching a you know that's a significant piece of equipment. You know, a CNC router. You're doing that. You're you're rep and Sasso equipment, and then you still got the stone fabrication company that you started. And so, I the, the thought that occurred to me was. You, as you, you know, you mentioned teaching people business, you know, that all slab fabrics is talking about the business side and making that, you know, there's a transition from manual to digital. There's also a transition from doing it, doing it, doing it to becoming the owner of a business that can do it while you're out repping saws and repping C and C's and running a trade association. So I'm curious, how did that, how did that unfold in your own stone shop? Cause I talked to a lot of fabricators who are working you know probably more hours than you are in all of those things just in their stone shop and they still are struggling to find time to do anything to be home to see their kids to take a lunch without their cell phone so i'm curious how how did you see that how did that transition take place in your stone shop so that you had the
1: time to go do all these other great things for the industry well i not to push a product but i test our success to to a a program called action flow Hmm. um it's it was the one program that allowed me to be able to step back now all in all stepping back and letting go was probably the hardest thing for me to do especially being a hands-on fabricator but we had a good group of people and we implemented this, this program that totally automated art from our from the time we make a quote to the time we install the job and uh it it allowed me not to not to have to be there just to tell people what to do every day which was you know that was that's the biggest headache for any owners this question that question i'd love to go back there and just polish but it uh it's not a reality when when you're a growing company so it uh and i made the decision that the company was either going to succeed or it was going to fall on its face when I stepped out. And I actually took about two years off after we implemented everything and I've got it running way that I wanted to run. So it's been a, it's been a huge eye opener as to how we can grow. And now I've got the ability to step back and actually work on my business and not work within the business. So it's, it's been a transition definitely, especially, like I said, when you go from hands on to stepping back and, teaching other people how to take care of your, your machines. And it's definitely a, a sight to see and great to step back and look at it now. Oh man. Well,
0: what a, what a massive accomplishment. I think you said something that I actually have chills literally as I'm about ready to (laughs) comment on what you said. You, you mentioned learning to let go that that is, has, has got to be one of the most difficult aspects it, it, you know, you're in this catch 22, the situation you're in being the only person that knows all the answers and that everybody's coming to, and you're constantly answering questions. That's an untenable, you, you, you just cannot remain in that place forever. You'll just, you'll implode. And yet the, the, the step of letting go is, is, is seemingly equally impossible. I'm just curious, yeah. what, what, maybe just elaborate on that. How, how did you come to that? How did that go? what what could you share with some other fabricators that that know they need to do that but are struggling to
1: well i mean i honestly i was at a breaking point i i'd literally stepped out and said y'all either figure out how to run this company without me i've put everything in place i've taught y'all how to do it i've uh, you you know the expectations of, of our finished product you either figure it out or i'm going i'm i'm done i'm i'm going <laughs> elsewhere to do things um I, I just—it was at that point in my life that you know we were successful, but we were successful on my back, and it needed to stop. It—it it, was—it had to stop, and even for us to grow any further than what we were at that point, it had to stop because it was—it was driving me crazy. <laughs> it was—it it was fun, but I'd had enough. It was time. Ah, interesting.
0: So you—you—you you, you let go. What was what was that like? Um... And, and I'm curious, what was your, be honest, in terms of your, was it like, okay, there's a 50-50 chance we pull this off? I mean, am I 80% you know, sure we're going to pull this off? I'm curious what you believed was going to happen.
1: <laughs> At that point, I didn't know what was going to happen. It was just a <laughs> hope and a prayer. I hope I wasn't getting the phone calls of, well, we're quitting too. If you're not going to be here, <laughs> we're quit too. But, you know, the, the guys, they, I had a good team. I knew I had a good team. And they, they really stepped up and they showed that they actually cared about the company and the growth of the company. And um, it was really refreshing. The, the first, you know, first two or three months I was out, it was a phone call here about how do you fix this machine? How do I do this? How do I do that? And Eventually within two to three months, I was not getting those phone calls anymore. And then I got to where I was just coming in to check on, make sure they're maintaining the machines. And um, it was, it was very refreshing to see the company still continue I mean, we had our mistakes. You know, we had broken pieces that we normally wouldn't have. We had issues that we normally wouldn't have if I was here. But I, I took the mindset that as long as it's still making money, we'll figure the rest out.
0: Yeah, and and I wonder sometimes if that's also a a a, a battle in the mind. And and I think I had a similar experience in that. Yeah, if I was to come back in and be. Yeah, I think an owner can probably contribute the equivalent of two or three other full-time employees if they're hundred percent engaged. So there is a, right. you know, there is a financial exchange, if you will, if you're going to remove yourself as the owner, you have to, you have to tolerate, there's going to be a certain amount of lost productivity, maybe not completely lost, but you're going to lose something. But what are right. you exchanging that for? And it's in that exchange and being able to consciously say yeah i'm 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 willing to tolerate maybe some more mistakes that wouldn't happen if i was there maybe a lower profit cuz they're just they're, they're not owners they don't they don't see things they don't do things like an owner does but what do you gain when you make that right. that's the
1: the the potential <laughs> peace <laughs> of mind <laughs> a chance to relax um, and a chance to do other things that, that I for me anyway that i love to do you know I've, i'm a machine head by by any stretch of the means, and I, it's it's what I love, and I love you know tinkering and playing and talking to people about CNC equipment, and it's it's uh, it's been fun. It it really has. The last <laughs> few years has been a whirlwind, but it's been it's been great.
0: Yeah, but what a what a profound statement though that you just made, and I I scrambled to write the peace of mind. I mean, I want the, the audience to to hear this fellow fabricators. If you're listening, did you hear what Chris just said? Peace of mind, ability to relax and the opportunity to do other things. I mean, write that down. If you didn't write that down, that is so profound in terms of this shift that you made.
1: Oh, it's, it's huge. It's, it's life-changing when you've, when you've slaved to a company for so long, um, it, to change gears is, is really hard, but once you do it, it, there's, there's no looking back. There's, there's no way I'd go back in the shop. Hmm. There's, there's too many other ways to make money in the world. <laughs> there's no way I'm going back in the shop.
0: <laughs> oh Well, that I, it's funny that you mentioned that because I've, um, I've been on this little theme, the last few episodes kind of talking about this difference. The last episode I recorded is called a tale of two owners and, and it's, Where we started and, you know, where we become and that difference between the experience of the doer versus the guy who delegates the work to people that he trusts, the outcome is radically different. And the experience, the quality of life is like it's it's unrecognizable from the previous, like you just said, to being a slave um, where the business basically dictates everything. That's right. What a oh man, I'm so glad you mentioned that. That is so profound. And what one of the things you, you were talking about letting go, and and you, you mentioned two things. You mentioned the action flow, you know, having a process or a framework that, that sort of organized the and made it clear what was supposed to happen every day. Right. Um, but then it also you had a, a dependable crew. And I think that that um I think in this last episode, I made the distinction. You got to be able to trust your team and you got to trust the process. Those are two key. You just said it in a different way, which I think is profound. So anyway, that is great. So you you mentioned do other things and you started talking about the, um, uh, you know, all the other things that now you have the time to do. Um, which is which lights you up the most? You mentioned the, the equipment and being a gearhead, but of the three, the, the all slab fabbers, the CNC machine, and selling sassos, what 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 gets you the most excited?
1: Oh, 100% all slab fabbers. I mean, it's it's such a joy to, I've, I've got so many people that I talk to on a daily basis that just want to know how, how. How do I grow? How do I do this? How do I do that? And, you know, 90% of the time, they're so wired up and focused on, putting out a countertop that they don't they don't know how to step back and how to how to make the decision to, to 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 buy the equipment that makes their lives easier and they don't know the programs that can make their lives easier and there's there's just so much out there for a fabricator these days that if if you're struggling it's there's no reason for it anymore mm-hmm. um you know financing is, of course is, is is a big hiccup with with it but once you, I think one of the biggest reasons I was able to, to do everything is I got somebody to, to, to run our office. And once they were able to do that, then I was able to focus on, on the shop and set it up for success. I mean, it's, if, if you don't have the, the people in place, you know, I, I grew up in a family business in West Virginia and we, we did a lot of stuff in the coal mines with, with oh. heavy equipment. Okay. And uh, but the, the owners, my dad, my brother, and my grandfather were always involved in all the day-to-day activities and everything, but it was such a niche business that it didn't matter. But in a business like this, if you're the one that's trying to deal with customers and you're the one that's trying to deal with the books, and you're the one that's trying to deal with all the financing and the banks and the insurance and the city, and you have, you never have any time. So something I implemented was hiring people to do the stuff that I didn't want to do. I was a fabricator. That's what I like to do. <laughs> so we, you know, we finally, I think it was 2014, 2015, we had already become a, a digital company with a CNC saw and router, but I was still doing all the programming. I was still running the office. I was still doing all the headache stuff. And then we started hiring to, to eliminate the headache stuff and I got to the point where I could actually enjoy being in the shop and enjoy teaching the guys how to do the stuff and, um, it's it was a big uh, a big transition you know we we moved from we started our shop behind my house my old house in an old barn and in 15 we bought a big building and, and made the jump um, it's been great I uh, I love the, the changes that we made even though it was so hard to make the decision to make the changes it, it ended up working out well
0: hmm. well that that's that's interesting that you mentioned you know the and I, I wonder how many business owners don't realize, realize that they have the choice you yeah. know to you have the latitude the discretion the freedom to you know uh, to hire people to do the work either that you <laughs> don't like to do or the work that you suck at, which is typically the case with me. It's, and maybe that's why I don't like the work, but you, you know, we have certain inclinations and to be able to, to, you know, incrementally begin, it's not like, Hey, it's Friday today. I, I, I heard this podcast about being free Monday, you know, it, it'll be a completely different. No, it's a progressive over time. You learn how to just, just incrementally delegate, tasks. And I think what you just said, starting off with delegating stuff that maybe you're not great at that somebody else may be great at. And, That's right. you know, and it frees you up to go do the stuff that number one, you like to do. And, and number two, that maybe is massively more impactful to the business. You know, it, it takes me three times as long to figure out a lot of that administrative stuff. Meanwhile, what could I be accomplishing, you know, in, in, in the rest of the business where my, you know, my skills and my gifts and my, uh, my passions, if they were applied there would have, you know, an exponentially bigger impact on the outcome of the business. And so I, that's just, I'm, that's just great. So, um, what when you talk to fabricators, I'm curious, how does that, how do they communicate with you when you're, when you've got like a new member or somebody reaches out to you, what does that typically look like in the context of the,
1: the all slab fabbers? I usually it's just a quick PM of how do I do this? How do I do that? And then, you know, eventually we exchange phone numbers and it ends up being a two or three hour conversation at the end. (laughs) Um, but you know, we're, we're open and I'm not the only one. There's, there's plenty of members on there that are the same way. And there's a lot of companies that are a lot bigger than me. We just happen to reach a spot where we're comfortable and, you know, we make decent money and that's, that's where we like to be. and don't really have any plans of, growing a whole lot more maybe a little bit more but um you know diff- different people have different aspects of, of how they run their business and that's that's what's great with the mix of, of the community that we've built yeah yeah there's not a one-size-fits-all there's no one uh, way to do this by any means no not not at all um you know we've we diversified a good bit since we started you know where our, our bread and butter was always granite countertops but Um since we've added box cabinets to our line of 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 retail items. We sell tile, um a little bit of LVT flooring, you know, any anything that we could retail out. Um we've done. And the way I've looked at it is it's taken the pressure off having to put out so many countertops. And literally the stuff that we retail out pays all of our sales staff.
0: Hmm.
1: So that's that's been a good a good add-on. And it's uh, a, a good income on the, on the side of, of our bread and butter work. Yeah. That's fantastic.
0: Well, t- talk about the, the way the all slab fabric It's funny. I, I advocate <laughs> for trade associations and peer to peer learning. And yet I am probably the single worst participant when it comes to engaging in trade associations and, and events and, and, uh, Which is, I'm embarrassed to say, I just, I guess that's the way of the way I've always been. But, but just, how does it work? What, what is the structure of the? How you guys communicate? What, what, um, what do you guys do that's unique to your approach? And I'm just curious about you, just the the nuts and bolts of how it works.
1: Well, one, we set ourselves up different than a lot of organizations. We're not a a sponsored organization per se. Um, we do have, you know, we have our workshops, which are sponsored okay. by vendors and that seems to work out well. And the reason we do that is, you know, um, being in, 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 the organizations I've been in in the past, they just seem to, once they, once they get to a certain point of growth, they get, they turn into spam, a big sales, you know, the, the pages are full of sales ads and, mm. and the, the vendors are jumping on in every, every comment because of course they got an item that's perfect for whatever situation you're in, whether they've ever touched a piece of stone or not. So we have really geared it to we want we want fabricators input for stuff. We don't want, we don't necessarily want salespeople's ideas on, on what we should do. Saying that, it's good to have them at these workshops. So now if they've got new items and stuff out, we can actually see them, we can try them, we can put our hands on them and not just hearsay from because you've got a product you want to push. Um, So that seems to have, has worked pretty well. We, we seem to get a lot more engagement because we've limited that type of activity and within our group Um, hindsight, it might limit our growth a little bit, but it's, it keeps the quality of, of what we do to the top. And um, I, I, you know, I get a lot of feedback from other fabricators that are just so glad not to see all this stuff on them. Not, I mean, we, you know, we want to support our vendors, of course, yeah. but it's it's been great to to just see people comment mean, there's there's i'm getting real input from fabricators not from every tom dick and harry that's out there right cool And then you so that's a it
0: happens on a facebook group
1: yep we're we're strictly on facebook okay. um and then of course we're doing two to three workshops every year okay and, and getting a lot of people involved in that it's Where it goes from now, I don't know, but we're, we're forever changing everything we're doing because, you know, day one, we never expected this to be where it's at now. So it's, uh, you know, like I said, there's only, there's only four of us that are actually running the organization. So it's, it's easy for us to get together and make decisions. Um, Hooker, I just remember your last name. (laughs) Uh, but she's she's been great. We're we're developing some stuff just for business owners in the background that a lot of people don't see. Um, we're working on a big buyers group. We actually wanted to launch it last year, but we haven't done it yet. We're working on a buyers group to put people together. Um, what else we're we doing? We're, we're what, uh,
0: explain the buyers group. What
1: does that mean? So they're, they're, it's a it's a group that will have a membership fee. It's the only thing that we'll ever charge for. Okay, but it will provide big discounts to the smaller fabricators. So essentially what we're trying to do is group smaller fabricators together. So we get the type of discounts that these huge 15 million plus a year companies are, are able to get because they have such a buying power. And we feel that we can group enough small people together to, to get that same type of buying power. Um, it's, it seems to be coming along good. We got a couple of good vendors in there so far. and We'll keep working to, to get more in there. There's some things that we would really like to go um, manufacture direct with that can bypass, especially for some of the bigger equipment stuff. Um, But it's a work in progress. We'll try to get it launched here within the next year or so.
0: thought I'd turn that off. (laughs) I hadn't.
1: (laughs) technology yeah <laughs> it's great but it kills us at the same time <laughs> oh
0: it's great so you mentioned that the the event coming up in sacramento T- tell tell me a little bit about that what do you, do you guys switch up the focus of each you know workshop or how, how does
1: that uh how does that plan, do.
0: plan for it what, what is that going to look like
1: we do. We got, we got the Sacramento workshop coming up at the end of April. I think it's the 28th through the 30th. Um, we've got a, a lot of different things that we're focusing on there. We're going to teach people how to build custom farm sinks. Hmm. Um, we got, we got James DeNair coming to teach people how to do waterproofing on showers and how to install showers. Oh wow! Um, I'm going to do a, a, a surface repair class, a surface polishing class. Uh, and we actually have a competition where, where people can come in we're doing we're a scene competition so installers can come in and show how good they are whoever wins will get a thousand bucks at the end of the day so they may oh. end up getting a, their whole trip paid for um and of course some of the vendors will throw in some prizes for the for the consolation end of it um but it's it's I, I can't emphasize just even if we didn't teach classes the networking with other business owners, it's it's so powerful to to, you know you might have ideas in your head that somebody else may have implemented the ideas and here and I even talk to them face to face and see how everything worked out for them. Yeah, I mean it's 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 really huge. Just building a network. Period is is huge.
0: Yep. Yep. Um, I'm I'm right probably within the actually this whole thing just came about right before we got the offer on our business last year. Um, we, we we got, let's see, how do I put, I don't think I've ever mentioned this on the, the podcast. <laughs> let's just say. We, we got out. <laughs> well, barely. This this job was, um, I'd been in business for 20, almost 23 years at that point. And this had never happened in all the years I'd been in business a sales rep that we had who had recently retired, had sold a job that was so far out huge. um, It was a 10 slab shower and an eight slab three-sided fireplace that was suspended from the ceiling. The way the fireplace device was, it was not weight bearing. and It was completely open on three sides. And it was one of the largest contracts we'd ever had. And we didn't, I was like, how did this happen? And how are we going to do this? And you mentioned peace of mind earlier to be able to call. Now it worked out really cool in the end, how it all worked out. We ended up not even doing the job. We were able to hand it off to somebody who actually knew what they were doing. Right. Uh, which was Really cool. But in that moment, in those actually it was a moment in those days and weeks of, of, of reeling from what It was our biggest customer, our best customer. It was this really prestigious, you know, project that they had gotten. It was like, if we stumble on this, not only do we make them look bad, what does it do to our future business? I mean, there's all the implications of this, all bad. And to be able to pick up the phone, I called multiple guys that are fellow fabricators, but have become friends. And, and to have that reassurance the, the, the value of having those relationships just cannot be overstated the importance and and to, to be able to, to, to function psychologically have another guy's Aaron it's going to be okay literally this right. can be done <laughs> no literally it's over the company's over we're never <laughs> we're never going to survive this project and and just to have that resource to be able to reach out is so important
1: no 100% 100% it's uh i don't think there's a there's a figure you can put on the value of of having that kind of that kind of network behind you and yeah just just somebody to tell you yeah you'll be okay we, we can help you is yes there's a tremendous tremendous uh <laughs> weight lifted off your shoulders when you're when you're taking on stuff you've never done before
0: yeah yeah oh we were sweating that's an understatement
1: well so th- so this at uh, this event in
0: sacramento what give give the particulars what are the what are the dates what are the the locations you know how do people get in touch how do people um you know, for those that are on the West Coast, I imagine you have people coming from the East Coast, though, too.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll get we get anytime we do these workshops, we get people from all over the country. Um, myself coming from South Carolina. I got Shane coming up from from Florida. Uh, Narelle coming down from from Portland. I've got Bo coming from Salt Lake. Um, and the workshop is going to be at Steve Busquist Shop. S D custom stone and tile. And the dates are April twenty eighth through the thirtieth. Uh, you know, we'll we'll be providing breakfast, lunch. Um, we'll have a nice little happy hour after, so people can stand around, drink some beers, and talk and talk business. And and it's uh, I, I, I don't know how else to explain it, but it's, they're just awesome. It's awesome to get these workshops, and it's it's such an important role in in the in the industry that. I don't think people realize how important they are, um, but it's uh, it, it's going to be a good one. Um, West Coast out there, you know, that's something. Out here on the East Coast, we're not used to doing a bunch of lamination work. We're not used to doing a bunch of miter work, and it's it's great to to get to a shop that that's what they specialize in. Yeah, yeah. Um, because the market is changing, especially when you start getting into to fabricating porcelain. That's all you can do is is miter work so it's a it's a good opportunity to learn definitely yeah. learn um it's also an opportunity to see how uh, another small guy has went from a manual shop to a digital shop and steve's going to talk about the, the importance and the growth of, of how he's changed um and one of the topics that he's going to talk about and you know we try to have these break sessions where it's just business owners talking in in, in a separate area and we'll let the, you know, you bring your fabricators The fabricators can be hands-on doing work with the vendors and trying tools out and stuff. And we'll separate the business owners out and we'll have these little private meetings. And, um, you know, he's, he's really going to emphasize on what just networking has done for, for his business. Mm. Um, cause you don't know, you know, you get stuck in a rut when you're, when you're a manual shop and you don't know what else is out there. Yep. Um, and you just keep trucking along doing the same thing and, don't even think about change and growth when you're when you're in that mindset. Yeah, yeah. And it
0: and it's it's interesting. I think um, there there were many stages. We started out the same way. I mean, I don't know how many kitchens I cut out of the gate with a skill saw, not a track saw, a skill saw, hand grinding every edge, <laughs> hand grinding the seams, and every. Then we bought a rail saw, Harris Accuglide. It's like. Oh my, I'm never going back. Just like you had said. I'm never going back. And then right. Then we we went we got a pro edge. It's like I'm never hand shaping or routering a, you know, a, a straight edge ever again. That's right. and then we bought a bridge saw and then a CNC and then a finisat saw. And the, the the whole it just but making that leap, you know, is it, in isolation when you've got no one else to bounce those ideas off of, um, but they're, they're so great. Once you make the leap, you will never, the thought of going back and doing it the way you're currently doing
1: it is like, no, it makes you cringe. <laughs> it's like, I'll do something else. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's some, there's another way to make money out of you. This is yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's such a hard demanding business too. It's, <sighs> believe me guys out there, there is a better way. There is an easier way. (laughs) It doesn't have to kill you.
0: (laughs) Well, and it doesn't have to take 80 hours a week. No, you know, and, and I I love, I just love the, the story that, that you saw a need. You got your stone shop to the place where it allowed you to go reinvest back into the industry and and to have the time to do that and there's a zillion other problems in this industry that are waiting
1: for somebody to create the solution 100 percent, 100 i think i think our biggest challenge these days is, is labor i mean it's it's ridiculous trying to get help now it's, mm-hmm. i mean we you know for the last two years it seems like every if i want one good guy i gotta hire 20 to get one good guy out of that that's going to stick around and do anything. Yeah. We get so many people coming, and installation is our biggest challenge because our shop is so easy now. That, that building an install team is, is yeah. probably the most difficult thing in in the industry right now. Yeah. So you you get things like no lift, which helps because people ain't killing themselves. I mean, I've, I've had people come in, no, work two hours and say, "No, nah, this ain't for me. I can't do this." Yep. Um, and wages for for labor now is skyrocketing. Yep, I mean, I I just gave a ten percent increase across the whole company hmm. just just to try to retain people and 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 try to cover some of the inflation of of the last couple of years. And, yeah, and it's that's that's a real challenge.
0: Well, and that's the thing is is those dynamics outside of our industry are shifting and progressing, or at least inflating. Maybe that's the the so everybody's costs are going up, and, and other bigger industries who who maybe have more margin and more control, more ability to shape things can, you know, my daughter was telling me in and out is starting people at 17 bucks an hour, you know, and when you're used to paying an installer, who's got three years of experience, $21 an hour. And you, you, you look at the, the spread in terms of what they're going to do to their body, how hard that work is, how stressful is it? It's like, you can see it, it puts enormous pressure on our industry to do things
1: like what you just did. That I mean, you've got oh, you, you can't afford to be without them. And and then you got some of these guys out there that are new to the business and think that they have to go after every every job that they can get. and They lower their prices, and it's it's I mean, it's a challenge. And that's the type of people that we really want to get a hold of. And we want to educate within the ASF. And, you know, there's there is money for everybody out there to be made. Yeah. And there's, there's a better way to do it. Yep. Yep. Uh, and we, we emphasize that a lot. I mean, it's, you know, I, I think back to two years ago, I think the, the lowest price things we were, we were selling remnants at 35, $40 a foot just to get them out the door. <laughs> I don't think we're touching anything from less than $50 a foot labor now, hmm. uh, but we had to, I mean, we, in order to take care of our employees and, and to continue to stay where we're at, Yep. you got to set yourself away from the rest of the market and do things that's right for your company. Yep. Yep. And I, I think it
0: comes back to here, you know, when you're in it, when you're so, and, you, and you're and you hearing the customers pressuring you and that's what you're hearing. And you're hearing your employees say, I gotta, you know, I need more money. And you're, 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 you know, you're, you're based purely on those stresses and those pressures, you don't have time to hear other alternative, you know, voices or the encouragement, you know, the idea of raising your prices for some people is terrifying. And it's like, well, I can't, you know, people have in their mind, I can't do that. And then I won't have any business. Like, well, no, actually you can (laughs) and and you need to. And Hey, let me share with you how you might do that. I think it comes back to this networking and, and getting out of that isolation and getting back into a community where you're hearing alternative, opinions you're hearing ways of doing things and and like you're saying l it's it's interesting you know Wes, we were chatting about our our marketing guy at no lift he had a really interesting insight the other day we we've been talking about the no lift and you look at some of these mentalities and and you know we want to help people save their installers and you can't escape it you can't avoid the fact that if you carry these 3cm countertops in eventually (laughs) you're not going to be able to carry them anymore. That's exactly right you just, it's just, it's, you can't avoid it. That, that being said, there's some people that go, I'll take my chances
1: and you're not going to, oh, I'm, I'm make- a prime example. I had a, uh, a, a lumbar injury back in 2014, which three years later evolved into a herniated disc and had surgery back in 17. So yeah, I, I don't carry anything anymore. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and, and that's what it does. So he not I was like, how do we help these guys change their minds? And he's like, what if, what if we change the whole approach? What if instead of trying to change the minds of the people that are already set in their ways, we target the new people entering the industry and, and showing them from the outset. And it's a completely different shift. You know, it's the same thing. You know, if you can teach these guys now a better way of doing business, as opposed to 10 years from now, trying to figure out how to reverse course it just the outcome is so huge and the opportunity to impact oh, yeah. their business and the industry as a result is benefited from that it's it's brilliant i love it
1: yep 100 percent. it's uh there's there's a lot of there's actually a lot of new guys coming into the industry now that that i've, I've noticed over the last couple of years and it's Um, to help them and try to get them to do the stuff and not make the mistakes that we've made as, as, as business owners coming up. Yeah. Um, ASF has turned out to be a great resource for, for that type of individual.
0: Yeah. Well, and that it's such a, it's such a, 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 a fantastic approach to say, well, we could complain about it. We could try and create some sort of, way to keep these guys out of the industry or hey let's invite these guys into our group and help them see that there's a better way yeah. they benefit Definitely. and then even in the overall industry is it's, it,
1: it, it's a big pool and the water <laughs> yeah, is great
0: yeah i just love it man this is this is so cool so t- i'm curious what what is it like repping a product to tell me about uh, that uh, what does that look like what are you enjoying about that what, what uh
1: you know for me it's not so much the product as it is is if if you're dealing with me you're gonna get support from me uh, so it's been it's been a pretty easy transition because I'm not really doing anything different than I was already doing <laughs> within the industry anyway I just have products behind me to back it up now yeah uh, but it's it, it's great to go in and see somebody's I've got a customer that's actually close to me. He's, he's in McCormick. He's only about 45 minutes away from my shop and to see what, uh, how his life has changed just by a simple CNC saw Mm. one of the, one of the hardest struggles in in the industry is just getting countertops cut and to see how that changes for, for somebody is absolutely amazing. Um, and then now he's, he, I think he he finally bought a used router, and he's he's basically set a shop up like mine on a smaller scale. And um, he's he ended up losing a couple people to to higher wages around him, hmm. and he's still able to operate and go put in jobs at the same rate he was with, when he had three or four times more people. It's it, that's been pretty cool to watch. Wow! Um, but sitting back and seeing. Seeing the, the things that, that we do change people's lives is, is great. Yeah.
0: Well, it's like said, it's a hard business. And when you know there's a solution that makes it easier, you know, the gratification of going, I help this guy improve his business and I help this gal improve their bottom line and I help this guy reduce his dependency on highly skilled labor with this piece of equipment and now it's easier, you know, any in this business, if anything can be made easier, <laughs> it's such a huge win. Cause it's like, oh, so you, you ain't
1: kidding. Um, and you know, I like one thing I like to do. I walk in shops. It's been moving everything around with forklifts and they got four or five guys just moving material. And i walk in. I say, how about if I told you, I can save you about $20,000 in one year. And the simple answer is, Add an overhead crane. (laughs) Just add a crane. (laughs) You're gonna save twenty thousand dollars a year right there. Yep. Uh, It's it's just the simple things that we as as business owners never really look at because we're so involved with the day to day stuff that yeah we never step we never take the time to step back and see what we can do to to improve. And you know, when we have these workshops, you get to get in people's the, the 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 whoever's putting on a workshop gets so much insight when other business owners come in and say, well, why aren't you doing this this way? Or why aren't you doing it that way? Or, you know, i I moved my slabs over here closer to the saw, so I don't have so much travel time and just, just the simple little things that people don't think about because they're so wrapped up in the, in the activities.
0: Yeah. And you get out of your shop for a few days, yep. you know, and, and then you see, you know, you could probably speculate it, it one, two, three, four, five things that are just, just by observing how somebody does it differently where you can go, oh, move the slabs close. Duh. How come I didn't think of that? You know, it's just like, <laughs> and then you, you 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 do the math and you go, okay, yeah, in a month I save. Oh, I only saved 800 bucks a month by doing that in, in labor. Okay, well, multiply that by 12. That's actually almost 10,000. You just put $10,000 in your pocket by moving your slabs closer to the saw.
1: Yep. How hard was that? And, and now, now multiply that by your growth over the next five years. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the simple things that people don't, like I said, they just don't think about the flow in, a, in the shop. You know, we, we've set our shop up. I, I like to look at uh, one of the biggest references I use is, is Ford. Okay. And their assembly line. And they were first person people in the, in the country just set up a, a, an assembly line from one end to the other. And that's how i set my shop up slabs come in one end of my shop, finished product goes out the other end of my shop. Um, and it's just stupid, simple stuff that nobody you, you're so involved in, in everything. You don't even think about it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What a And that, and their, their case in point, when you go to somebody else's shop, you're exposed to It's, you know, you, you get to see it you get to, you get to yeah. touch. It and it's like, Oh, wow.
1: Or <laughs> you may approach the shop owner with an idea to help him. I mean, it's it again, it, it always, it just comes back to, to network, 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 and and how it can really help you grow.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. So tell me about
1: BBM. I'm not, I'm not familiar with
0: that. You, you I think you said you were getting one of their first machines. So is that, a, yes. a, they building that
1: here in the U S it's, it's being built in Simpsonville, Kentucky, right outside of Louisville. Okay. Um, the man's got a lot of experience like I said he's been he's been rebuilding cNC machines for the last 15 16 years or so and uh, he's he's really tackled all the issues with some of the other major American brands um, implemented some of the Italian technology um, one thing I really like that they're doing is they're doing an open source so you're not stuck to one one programming software you can if, if you got if if you're in a shop and say you're using Easy Stone, we can put Easy Stone on a machine. If you're using Alpha Cam, we can put Alpha uh-huh. Cam. I personally use a program called Taglio, so we're putting Taglio on my machine. Uh, the first company to actually do open source. It in the beginning it'll make it a little hard for him to troubleshoot program issues, but in the end, it's I think it's going to be a great great idea. And the, the machine, it really is just it's built like a tank. Uh. I mean, we're talking about 45 millimeter linear rails, two inch thick linear rails on all accesses. Um The a, a simple thing like a water union on most machines, it was a pain in the butt to change. You had to take the whole head apart to, to change them. He's, he's set it up to where it's just a simple change out without having to take stuff apart. The head cover. You don't have to take the whole daggone head cover off to get to everything. It's like a, a, a hood on a car. You just lift it up so you can get to it. I mean, there's, there's just so many things. That after servicing these machines for so long, he's really put all the thought into the headaches that he's dealt with by by rebuilding these machines. And he's he's implemented that and, and changed the technology a bit. Um, true, A true 20 horsepower spindle. Uh, which is way more than we need in this, in, in this industry for, for what we do. The, the machine's built the last 20 years. It really mm-hmm. is. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be on board with, with Brian. He's, he's, a, he's a good guy. And he knows how to build these machines. Oh, wow, that's um, very It's cool. exciting. He just moved into a new facility, so it's it's really exciting. Huh. Um, I think it's going to be a, a huge success, especially on the, on the East Coast at this huge 3CM market. You, and that,
0: you know the Pacific Northwest is all 3CM. I think most of the mountain states are. Is, is it just California, Nevada, Arizona, kind of the last holdouts of this lamination?
1: Yeah, pretty much. They don't want to handle the, the heavy weight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I can't blame them. But. Now that you mentioned it, actually, I was thinking about this a minute ago when you were talking about um, uh, Steve's going to be talking about mitering. Um I got to be really careful. I'm going to get myself in a lot of trouble here. Come to Sacramento. We're going to unveil something that as of yet has not been made public related to the no lift. And I'll say this, it relates to installing laminated countertops.
1: (laughs) It's about time. We'll be waiting on that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's all I'm going to say, but if you want to see it first, come to Sacramento at the All Slab Fabers event. We're going to have, we're gonna have this solution finally made available and finally made kind of quietly, but it's it's uh, we're gonna make it public in a in a quiet manner, and uh, we're we're launching that at your event. I don't I, I don't even know if I mentioned that to you or not, but that's what we decided to do.
1: So that's uh, awesome. We'll have that's it there. Absolutely awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely needed because you know there's there's a lot of breakage in two cm. And there's, and it all has to do with handling the material. So that's, that'll be huge. I'm, yeah. I'm excited to see that.
0: And, and you know, the perception is I remember I fighting my production manager back in, we bought, we bought our CNC in 2006. That's a long time ago. And that was just, we were just, and I remember that because we had the 4C, we had to buy both bits. We had to buy a set of 4CM bits and we had to buy a set of 3CM bits because we were in that transition where it was going both ways. And I was fighting my production manager. I'm like these freaking three CM. Cause I'd gone to work in the, in the early nineties for a company that that's all they, they imported their own slabs and it was all three CM. They were a commercial company that got into countertops. And I'd already been like, I we're not going to carry these three CM counters into the house. And he was like, the labor on this laminating is absolutely killing us. We got to go to three. Anyway, So the perception is is that in my mind, 2CM was lighter, and it technically is lighter, but it's still heavy, and you still break those countertops. And I remember actually at your event last January at uh, Shane's shop. um, I don't remember the guy's name. He was the rep for uh, the LT55 or laser products. Oh, true. Yeah, he showed me a picture of the screws in his spine, holding vertebrae together he was a 2 cm laminate installer and had to have vertebrae fused so the 2 cm still heavy it's <laughs> yeah. heavy and stuff. it's and it's
1: awkward it's awkward to carry
0: yeah it really is
1: so you got to be so much especially when it's mitered, you got to be careful with that front front edge and yeah you know, it's uh, there's no easy market regardless of the lighter material there's still no easy way to handle stone <laughs> so yeah. it's no matter what you do
0: Yep, anyway, uh, a I'm kind of thanks.
1: I'm kind of thankful for the invention of courts. At least it makes it less <laughs> breakable. <but>. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I didn't mean to make that a plug for the
0: Nolif. That is not my intention here. But I <laughs> mentioned it. I thought I could I could slide that in there. So what 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 else is going on? Anything else you want to? I'd just love to hear what you're what you got cooking and what you're excited about and what 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 the audience might benefit from just hearing your perspective on things.
1: Well, we do have two more workshops planned for the for the rest of the year. Okay. We're going to um, Alex DiPietro's shop in Rye, New York. He just uh, finished getting a new TD Robotics robot, carving robot. Oh, wow. Installed, and he's still working out, learning how to program some of that. So that's going to be really, really interesting to see. Um, Alex has been, he has built a, a heck of a shop. His dad started to shop years and years ago and him and his brother have kind of uh taken control of the shop and alex the growth that he has done he's been importing his own marble. i mean he's he's really taken his shop to to the next level so that's going to be an exciting we're still working on the agenda for that Hmm. and then the end of september we're going to do another one for our three-year anniversary we're going to do one here at my shop oh right on oh
0: fantastic
1: The the very first workshop we we did was September of 2019, and that was here at my shop. So it felt it was a good place to have an anniversary workshop.
0: Wow, very cool. Very cool. Well,
1: not that you need to take my advice, but being
0: in the Pacific Northwest where it has been snowing the last few days, which is completely ridiculous for this time of year, (laughs) warmer, (laughs) drier, Hawaii, I don't know, Arizona, Phoenix, Florida, those, I love those. uh, Not that you're listening to me for advice, but those kind of places sound very appealing right now. (laughs)
1: Anywhere down South.
0: Yeah, exactly. That sounds like a plan to me. So, wow, Chris, this has been such a fun conversation. I'm glad we finally got to sit down and record a conversation like this and just talk. And uh, I, you have shared so much incredibly important and valuable information today. Just talking about your own experience, talking about the all slab fabbers. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that you took the time to to have this conversation because I know the audience is going to benefit a lot. And I I hope a whole bunch of you make it out to Sacramento here in a couple of weeks. And so Chris, yeah. thanks for being on the fab lab podcast.
1: Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's been fun. Yeah. Hey, well, well,
0: we'll see you in a couple of weeks face to face.
1: All right. Sounds good. See you soon. Yeah, bye bye.
0: Wow. Oh, that was a great conversation. Fellow fabricators, I hope you were taking notes and uh and that you learned a lot as much as I did in hearing Chris's story, talking about his his time, his background, his experiences in the stone industry, and how he's made this transition to where he is now leading this organization, putting on events all over the country, creating a network, a peer group for fabricators to grow, learn, expand, and evolve. Um, and, and move out of this, you know, the, the, the place that a lot of us started from just really difficult, really hard work and moving into a place where the profits are higher and the workload is decreased. What a great interview. Fellow fabricators, if you'd like to reach out to me, if you would like to take advantage of a a 90 minute complimentary coaching call, if you would like to talk to me about how to make a similar transition, learning how to trust the process, learning how to trust your highly esteemed staff so that you too can get more margin in your life, increase the profits of your business, and um, and accomplish some things that you maybe didn't think were possible, feel free. Go to the show notes. You can uh, click that link there. Fill out some information. I'll touch base with you. You can also visit AaronCrawley.com. You can pick up a copy of my book, Less Chaos, More Cash. You can also download the first three chapters for free. So ladies and gentlemen, we got more stuff coming, more interviews, more great content. Until then, happy fabricating.